0: Hey there, travelers. I'm Riley.
1: I'm Angelica.
0: I'm Isabella. And this is True Crime International.
1: So, Riley, where are you taking us today?
0: Today, we are traveling to Zambia to learn about the Lusaka Strangler. In 1980, the capital and largest city of Zambia, which is Lusaka, was terrorized by a rapist and murderer for nine long months from January to September. And this rapist and murderer has come to be known as the Lusaka Strangler. On January 5th in 1980, the Lusaka Central Police received an anonymous phone call that the body of a dead woman was lying in the field, like in like the recess field, behind Lusaka Boy's primary school.
1: I'm just going to say, like, I always had such a huge fear that I was going to discover a body like laying in a field somewhere and I just wouldn't know what to do about it. You had this fear as a child? I had yes as a child and now I'm like it's a consistent (laughs) fear like I'll go on a walk with my sister and we have like a park uh in my neighborhood and I just I get worried
0: sometimes I'd be lying if I said that every time I saw a black garbage bag on the side of the highway I I didn't think that but I don't think I had those thoughts as a child (laughs) Ah, when I was I when I was ten,
2: very
1: big imagination.
2: When I was ten, my parents threw me on a plane and sent me to England for the summer to spend it with my family. And I was staying with my grandparents. And as much as I love them, they're not the most exciting people. And I was bored quite often as a ten-year-old staying with two older people. And so there was a park up the road from the house, and they would just let me go on my own to this park. They wouldn't go with me, and <laughs> I would just I would be I was ten years old, and I would I would think. Wow, someone could just kidnap me. And they wouldn't because no <laughs> oh, one was no. even with me. <laughs> I don't... I think, I think it snatched me up. Someone could just kidnap me. But I mean, I liked that park. It had a bunch of st- cool stuff. Uh, there were never any other kids there. It was only me. And I'm Alona, so that was great. And there were blueberry bushes. So if I got hungry, I didn't even have to go back to my grandparents' place <laughs> for a snack.
0: All I can think about is that park that um, Harry and Dudley were at in oh Harry Potter when the Dementors came. Uh-huh. I just watched a that love, movie. like Pock. Actually, did I say
2: blueberries? I meant blackberries.
0: You did say blueberries, but black blackberries, blackberries are delicious as well.
2: Blackberries are my favorite. I love Dudley. I don't. I <laughs> well, anyway. do love Dudley. Anyway,
1: what the fuck is the matter with he you? <laughs> <laughs> he gets a redump. <laughs> he redeems himself. Also, I just like Harry Melling, the guy that plays Dudley. Is just like he's a. He seems very cool.
2: But that's no reason to like Dudley. That's like saying the actress that plays Umbridge is awesome. So Umbridge is cool. No, that's not how that works. Umbridge
1: is a dick. No, I'm talking about like Dudley redeems himself, which I'm not. I can't spoil it. Don't spoil it. Riley. I'm almost done.
0: I'm almost done with the sixth book. Okay. I'm almost done. Also, just
1: because we're talking about Harry Potter does not mean we like J.K. Rowling because we don't.
0: Word. (laughs) Okay. Anyways. Anyways, getting back. When police who were led by inspector gondway arrived at the scene the body was already in a semi-decomposed state so it had been there a little while and they were not able to identify the cause of death but they were able to determine that the woman was not killed where she was found but she was killed in a separate location and then brought to the field to be discovered by whoever came by i guess The killer also must left her belongings there because they were able to identify her as 21-year-old Grace Simbilu. Although the police also failed to trace this at the time, further investigation later revealed that she had been traveling um, by bus and was passing through Lusaka on the way to her final destination to deliver a note to her brother and then um, attend interviews at The Zambia Institute of Technology which is just so sad she was just trying to go to school and get into a good college and the stupid murderer ruined it (laughs) Yeah,
1: I also hate that like I mean you said that she was brought there and she wasn't killed there so it was like the killer obviously wanted to make this like a public spectacle
0: and that's like so gross yeah and he does that again which is awful but I digress. Uh, the very next day, on January 6th, the Woodlands Police Station, which is like a suburb of Lusaka, received a similar report to the one that the LCP received the day before. This tip said that the body of a dead woman had been found lying near a footpath off of Chittacuco Road. After an examination of this body, police found that the woman had been raped and then strangled, and it happened at the location at which she was found. So she had not been moved. They were able to determine this because there were marks of an altercation, like scuff marks and like there was a fight, um, in a six meter radius around where the body was found. And there was also scattered beads from a torn bracelet that she was wearing and torn underwear found near the body. Additionally, um, this woman was severely bruised, especially on the side of her neck and around her navel or belly button um like she had been hit there and there was blood coming from her nose
1: I have a question like was the previous woman also beaten like
0: this or it didn't say because she was like semi-decomposed uh, so they couldn't they couldn't determine cause of death so I'm guessing they couldn't determine what had really happened either like if she had bruises they could have already been decomposing and stuff like that okay I see Unfortunately, all efforts to identify this woman failed, and just like with the previous victim, the police could find no leads as to who the murderer would be. Um, these two murderers honestly sparked terror in Lusaka, and murders began to be continuously reported to police week after week. In all, thirty-one women fell victim to who they called the Lusaka Strangler, and. 29 of these women were murdered. Two were able to escape, and they later helped assist police, like, heavily in this investigation, which is awesome. Like, they did so much work for the police.
1: That's incredible. And that's so many women also. I know. Wow.
0: It's devastating. Isabella and I are going to briefly list the names of all of his victims because I do think they, they all deserve to be remembered by their names and not just by his and what happened to them. Um, and, and just so we know, there were six victims found in January, five in February, five in March, three in April, two in May, three in June, two in July, and the last two in September. We have already discussed the first two women, Grace Simbilu, on January 5th and an unidentified woman on January 6th, but Isabel and I are going to continue with the names of the other girls and women. Florence Mwangelwa Mulima, 21 years old. Priscilla Nuttaluvio, 10 years old.
2: Regina Munenga, 25 years old. Claudia Mambowe, 21 years old. Millian Chipeta, 20 years old. An unidentified woman estimated to be about 18 to 21 years old. Fosta Kayla, 10 years old. Grace Matondo, 26 years old. Frida
0: Nkobe, 32 years old. Jane Malako, 18 years old. Hilda Banda, 18 years old.
2: Agatha Musa Nasilele, 18 years old. Amelda Mando Chabazwa, 26 years old. Miriam Chiwala, 15 years old. Maggie
0: Mwanza, twenty-one years old. Regina Mumba, twenty-five years old. An unidentified woman found at the gate of Woodland Stadium.
2: Kwaaleela Situmbeko, twenty-four years old.
0: Rosemary Mufula Chuma, twenty-four years old. Lita Mabongo, eighteen years old. Jenny Muitila Pumulo, twenty years old. Agnes. Mwelwa, 22 years old. And Mary Chisanga, age unknown.
1: I really appreciate the fact that you listed every one of those names because I think it's incredibly important. Um, And it just kind of gave me chills and it's heartbreaking because I can't imagine being a woman in this area at this time. Because everyone must have been scared for their lives because the age range here is significant
0: so like yeah none of them could have felt safe no and it's crazy to think also that there was a 10 year old in there and it's like how did how did this person get their there was hands two. on a 10 year old yeah there was two how did this person get their hands on a 10 year old like they, they they would have had to either been traveling alone which i mean for the time wasn't uncommon or with a parent or with with someone who is older and can you imagine like the fear and the guilt that that person probably feels it's just when they're the one that they're traveling with it's awful it's awful and
2: terrifying also i just well, want to say um I- if we mispronounce any of these names we're very sorry we really tried with the pronunciation we looked up all of the surnames to make sure we got them right but pronunciations were not available for all of the surnames so we had to just do our best and make an educated guess.
0: And if you do know the correct pronunciation, please find us on Instagram or join our Facebook group and let us know so that we can correctly remember them and do it the right way. Well, by the end of January, when the police had already discovered six bodies, they were able to determine that this was either the work of one person or of a group of people working together with the same sort of motive and they were they were in communication with each other like it wasn't just different random people typically the murderer or murderers would commit the crime in an area that had a lot of cover and where they couldn't really be easily seen and then they would move the body to a more open area During this time, the press also became very involved in this case, and they pressured the police to bring in extra police officers from other countries. The government, though, thought this would be too costly, and because they were a sovereign state, it was seen as the government's duty to solve internal problems, such as this one.
2: Do you know when Zambia became independent? No, but I can Google it. Just curious, because, I mean, if it was... Zambia was part of Britain, I'm assuming, because their official language is English.
0: Um, Zambia became an independent of the United Kingdom in October of 1964.
2: Yeah, so they were still a newly independent state, and they probably really felt like this is something we have to do on our own. Because yeah, they, were yeah. the con- they were under control of the British for a long time. <coughs> S- sorry, yeah. sorry, Zambia. Several months yeah. ago I was in uh I was in Austria and I met these two girls in my hostel room. One was from Australia. The, the other one was from India, and we all went we all went out for uh, dinner and drinks together. It was fantastic. It was my last night, and I got to like we just had a huge chat about culture and holidays and where we're from and how we do things differently. And that's like my favorite thing when I travel. I love going out with strangers and learning about the culture. And oh, we um, know you do. <laughs> that's my that's my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally my favorite thing. I live for, I live for it. Uh, but the girl who was from India, she was so sweet. But she was telling me about um, – she was telling me the story about how the British, like, fucked up her grandfather's business. Like, really screwed him over. And I was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. And she was I'm like, it's so like your so fault. Sorry. You didn't do it. And I was like, yeah, but I still feel the need to apologize. <laughs> it was my country.
1: Mm, colonizers.
2: Yeah. I am a dual citizen, and I'm a dual citizen of two of the worst countries when it comes to colonization and imperialism. <laughs> I can't win. Who can? And then I'm living in another country that was also a major colonizer. <laughs> so you know.
0: Anyways, soon after this, the police launched a <laughs> <Just> campaign. Angel, <laughs> what the fuck was that? So loud? <laughs>
2: You just suck the rest of that juice, Jesus like, right into the mic. And just, like, I gotta finish this juice right into the
0: microphone. I must be heard. They must know that I have a juice box. This is of the utmost importance.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: dear.
2: Wait, what kind of juice was it? Super
0: fruit punch. <laughs> I hate apple juice. You know what? I just can't. The only thing
2: I don't like about apple juice is the the phlegm that it gives you for no reason.
0: Yes. Also, when I was uh, in high school, well, actually, all my life growing up until 10th grade, I played soccer. And mainly in high school, when you play indoor soccer, your games are either extremely early in the morning, like 5 a.m. or at like 11 p.m. And when I had 5 a.m. games, my dad would wake me up at like 4 a.m., and then forced me to drink apple juice because it had sugar in it before I went to my games, and I think I just have this negative connotation with apple juice now. Did you not realize that other
2: juices also have sugar? Okay, but like
0: my dad <laughs> likes apple juice, so that's typically what we had in the house. Uh, okay, because we enough. always we always have juice in the house. I my can dad. confirm they always, <laughs> but it's have just juice always apple juice. And it's
1: apple juice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he buys more orange juice now, but. That's because he knows I don't like apple juice. <laughs> Soon after this, the police launched a campaign urging women to be extremely careful of men that they did not know offering them a ride or offering to escort them to their destination. Like like you said, Angel, like it was terrifying. And in addition to this, an award of... 10,000 Zambian kwacha, which is about 500 US dollars. And with inflation today, that would look more like 30,000 kwacha or 1,600 US dollars. And this was offered to anyone with information leading to an arrest. Uh, during this time, they also enforced a dusk to dawn curfew for every person in Lusaka, not just women, all people. Um, but unfortunately, these strategies just didn't. Seemed to help because by June sixteenth, the nineteen eighty, the total number of victims had risen to twenty three, and the police force decided to call in the best officers from all over the country to form a temporary homicide squad that they called the Special Investigations Team or SIT, and it was headed by Superintendent William Mundia. This
1: just keeps getting more terrifying because like the numbers just stack up so quickly and yeah uh, they put so many measures in place and this just kept happening and he said there might have been more than one murderer and that's like this is terrifying
0: yeah it's like no matter what they did the murders continued to happen and there was like nothing that they could do to stop it which is the most terrifying thing i can think of that's like that's like if we right now we're doing everything that we could to stop the spread of this virus but it just kept going (laughs) which i mean some people are
2: doing everything they can i was like isn't that not what most countries outside the u.s are doing
0: yeah welcome welcome to the united states of america
2: <laughs> i mean to be fair was pretty bad in spain right now but yeah, everyone's I just kind worse. of I,
1: i've noticed
2: yeah oh it's so it's it's worse than it was back in april when we were under strict lockdown but everyone's just kind of like yeah we're wearing the masks we'll be we'll be all right oh god all the kids are
0: back in school people, people here don't even wear masks so at least you're doing at least you're doing better than us
2: yeah i mean spaniards are surprisingly very good at following the rules if you tell them
0: you should wear a mask for public safety they're like yeah all right yeah i guess whatever you say yeah the first task of this squad was to determine whether it was one person or a group of people committing these murders but they were soon able to conclude that because the methods used in all the cases were so similar the killer was most likely one person. And then one month later on July 16th a few members of SIT were carrying out a surveillance at the Kamwala bus station when one of these members or officers noticed a soldier that was dressed in uniform like combat uniform speaking to a woman for like quite a long period of time and because they were speaking for so long the officer got a little suspicious and decided to take down the description of the man and of the woman. The woman was wearing a white and green striped dress, and she was, quote, brown, tall, slim, and had a lot of hair, unquote. He also described the man as being slightly short and stout and having a clean-shaven face. After about 30 minutes, the pair left the bus stop, walking in the direction of old Kamala, which I'm pretty sure is just, like, the old town center. A lot of places here have that now too. The next day, the officer heard that a woman matching the exact description he had written down the night before had escaped from the Lusaka Strangler. This woman's name was Miss Nora Soko of Chimwemwe Township in Kitwe. She told the police that she was passing through Lusaka on her way to visit her parents, and since it was already dark, she decided against finishing the trip that evening And she was really apprehensive to do so, though, because she had heard about everything happening in Lusaka and with the Lusaka Strangler, but she kind of felt like she had no choice because she didn't want to take a bus in the dark. Uh, Soon after Nora got off the bus at the bus station, she was approached by two soldiers, one wearing combat and the other in a green soldier uniform. The one in the green uniform had left after a while, but the one in combat offered to escort her to her final destination, which she declined. She then said that the soldier picked up the basket containing her personal belongings and just started walking away. She followed him, but she said he was walking so fast and she knew she could have just gone back to the bus station, but she was worried about losing her national registration card as long or as well as her other belongings. I get that. She knew that. Yeah. She knew that she could have just turned back and gone away, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to leave like my passport with someone yeah. either so i totally understand
2: i had a conversation with my boyfriend the other day about what items we would save in a fire and without hesitation i was like my documents my documents my passports yeah my all my stuff for living here in spain i would save the shit out of those my technology and stuff like if i have the time i will but ultimately i can get i can replace those very easily my documents though yeah mm-mm. that is that's top why it's priority pretty, that's
0: why it's good to have a firebox do you have a firebox
2: No, I should definitely get one, though.
0: You should definitely invest in a firebox. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just
1: wondering, like, if this officer, like, saw this all going down, why didn't he just, like, stay in the area for a while if he thought it was so suspicious?
0: I'm not sure. It didn't say. I'm guessing because, like, it wasn't unusual to see soldiers in uniform at the bus station. And he could have just thought that they knew each other. I don't know. It didn't. It, it wasn't super descriptive as to why he thought it was unusual. Okay. Yeah.
2: But, what strikes me, though, is that he thought it was unusual enough to note it down, but he didn't think it was unusual enough to follow up on it. Yeah. And that's what's a little weird to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because if it was super normal to see soldiers at the bus station – then why did he note it down?
0: Maybe and if he... if he did
2: note it down, why didn't he follow up on it? Like, why didn't he go over there and ask if everything was okay, if they needed extra assistance, just to poke his nose in and see what was going on? But it just seems like I he agree. wrote a note and then left.
0: Yeah, I have no idea. The soldier continued down a small bush path and introduced himself as Lieutenant Niembe. He then asked her if she would be able to identify him in uniform and in civilian clothes, to which she replied that she would be able to. And this is when she said he grabbed a hold of her by her shoulders and forced her to the ground. Oh, my God. Which, why, if she had said that she wouldn't be able to, would he have not done anything? Like, he had already led her out to this bush area. Why? Why? ask the question that's just so
1: terrifying oh that's just so terrifying that like he even asked her that and like just being in that situation
0: yeah he started squeezing her neck but she was able to kick him off and then he pulled out something that looked like a shifting spanner which is like one of those wrenches where you can adjust the size of it to fit different nuts and bolts and he used this to hit her in the navel while saying you are the only girl whom I have failed to kill. I have killed the rest, so you are the one who will cause me to be arrested. He hit her again in the navel, and that was the last thing she remembers. That... Oh, God. That is terrifying.
1: Also... That is so scary. I guess that explains the wounds found on the prior victims as well. Yeah. Yeah, in their stomach. And he, he just was, like, hitting them in that area because he... Like, to hurt them or incapacitate them.
0: Yeah, yeah, on their stomachs. I'm guessing he probably used the same one for all of them. Um, And the reason why he failed to kill her was because, thankfully, there were three security guards on duty at a nearby building who heard a woman screaming coming from the bush area behind the building. And these three men ran in the direction of the screaming while blowing their whistle, which scared the scared the soldier off and so i'm guessing he heard these he heard these whistles coming and then he was like you're the one who's going to cause me to be arrested blah 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 blah.
1: i'm so glad that someone heard her
0: i know i'm
2: I'm so glad right
0: and it, it it scares me a little bit because nowadays when you hear something suspicious going on you're just supposed to call the police and not investigate it yourself because it could be a trap Also, and I'm worried that something like this could happen because there's also
1: the bystander effect. So like people always like when they hear something, they're like, oh, someone else will do something about it. And they'll just think that's going to happen. And so I'm so glad that these men did not think that. And they just were like, oh, yeah, we are hearing screams. Let's take care of the situation. Yeah.
0: Also, it happened in the middle of like a field. So I don't think there were very many bystanders. Yeah. (laughs) And they are security guards. They are security
2: guards. So they are trained to
0: deal with conflict in some way. Oh, yeah. So they found Nora lying in the bush near a path, still screaming. And they weren't able to get much information from her, like, at that exact time, other than her name and where she came from because she was so upset, understandably. Um, but they were able to get her to a hospital to be examined by a doctor. The doctor said that she had bruises on her abdomen, fingernail scratches on the sides of her neck, and that there were sores developing on the sides of her tongue caused by a poisonous substance, like drugs. Like the man tried to drug her as well. Oh, my God. I know. Sores on your tongue like, where, makes me like, uncomfortable. When... I know, we do. When did he have the time to... To slip drugs in I mean, her. maybe when he, maybe
1: he held something over her mouth. Um,
0: yeah, he could like have. That. I don't know. That's just, that all happens so fast. I, I don't even know. She's incredible. Yeah. How did she do that? I'm so glad she survived. Me too. So once Nora got a little rest and she was able to speak with police, she told them that she knew she could identify her assailant anywhere in the world. And therefore she became a super important part of this investigation. Right away, the information given by Nora helped police narrow down the pool of suspects to look for because they were sure that the killer was either an actual soldier or was using a uniform to avoid suspicion from police and from other people.
1: I feel like he had to be an actual soldier. Like, I don't know how this case turns up, but like he was walking with uh, another man in uniform. So I would just expect that he must have been. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So the police were presented with. Even more information in early September when two women traveling alone, one traveling with her child, uh, met each other at the bus stop in Lusaka because they were just traveling independently and then they needed someone to chat with. Um, And they were just traveling through and because there were no buses going anywhere that they needed to go that night, they decided to spend it together at the station. So they wanted to stick together so that, you know, nothing hopefully happened. Soon after they began to get comfortable where they were going to spend the night, Uh, two soldiers approached them and asked to see their national registration cards, kind of like in an authoritative tone, like, let me see your cards. Then the soldiers requested that the women let them take them to a nearby hotel for them to rest for the night. When the women politely declined, the soldiers grabbed the belongings of one of the women and just began walking away. Just Just like Nora, they picked it up and took off. And the woman, who has never been identified, um, we don't believe that she was one of his victims that the police know of, and we honestly don't know what happened to her, but she took off after the men to retrieve her things. A while later, though, one of the soldiers returned and again began nagging the remaining woman, and that woman's name was Mrs. Josephine Nora Mukatasha. He continued to try and convince her to let him set her up in a room for the night, saying that her friend was already sleeping comfortably. And while she was super reluctant, she finally just agreed to go with him. And he picked up her suitcase and began walking. Um, And this, again, is the woman with the child. Oh, my God. So, I know, right? After about 30 minutes of walking, the pair branched off onto, like, this narrow pathway off of the main path and Josephine asked the soldier where they were going, but his answer was just him pointing at some lights up ahead on the path. like you know when you're walking down a path and you can see some buildings up again up ahead, he just pointed to the lights. After he had pointed to the lights, Josephine like repositioned her ch- child so that it was more comfortable to carry her. And when she did this, the man darted behind her and squeezed her around the neck until she passed out. The fact I know. that
1: this is happening, like, and this woman has a child with her. Obviously, a small enough child that she is still carrying it. Yeah, it like, has to be carried. I just, like, wow, the audacity of these of these people. Bold.
0: Bold. When Josephine came to, she said that all she could hear was her baby crying. Her national registration card that had been in her suitcase, like she was carrying it with her in her suitcase, was lying next to her head, but her suitcase was gone. As well as the watch she was wearing and her wedding ring were both stolen. So obviously this this killer thought that he had succeeded in killing her and then just took her belongings and left an identification card for whoever found her, which is more than fucked up. Um, She was able to strap her baby back onto her back and she started like stagger walking towards some nearby houses where she knocked on one of the doors and called for help. The owner of the house let her in and gave her a place to sleep. But because it was around two 30 AM, they decided to just alert the police in the morning instead of right then which is so odd to me. me but she like she probably just wanted to sleep she probably just wanted to do nothing that morning once the police heard josephine's story they were certain that this was the guy that they were looking for and they decided to use josephine to their strengths so on September 16th, she accompanied an officer to the bus station where she wandered around to see if her assailant would be there. Like, she just walked up and down the bus station to see if she saw him. And at about 7.30 p.m., she was approached by a soldier in combat uniform. Oh, my uniform God. Who said to her, quote, I happen to have seen you somewhere. And Josephine immediately recognized him. But she was smart. She pretended like she had never met him and that she had just, like, arrived in on a bus from somewhere else. And this man asked her if she would accompany him to a rest house where he would book her a room. I know I keep, like, saying, oh, my God, but I'm just, like, these men are so bold and, like, terrifying. That's, ah. And also the fact that this is the same woman and he's, like... I think I've seen you before. And she's like, no, you haven't. He's like, oh, okay. Like what? (sighs) So Josephine told him that she would go with him, but that she just had to grab her luggage really quick from where she was sitting. But this is when she alerted the officer that she was with. And this man was arrested, but not only did they have her like positive identification of him to go off, but he was wearing the watch that he stole from her. He was wearing it as Bro, he approached I her. Mean, I cannot. Wait, where's the other dude, though? I don't know. He approached her individually. But Isabella is going to fill us in on everything that happened after his arrest at the bus station.
2: So, yeah, naturally, at that point, he was arrested. Uh, police took him into custody. He tried to fight off the arresting officers at first but it really didn't take him that long to subdue him. They took him to Lusaka Central Police Station where they identified him as Milton Mufangula Sepalo, and he was indeed a member of the military and lived in House number 23 of the Arakin Barracks in Lusaka. Police searched his yeah. barracks with his permission. He gave them permission. He was like, yeah, go ahead and look. And they found a <laughs> number of items linking him to several of the victims, including Josephine's stuff that was stolen, which she identified. She was like, yeah, that's he- my shit
0: and he was like yeah sure go look like like they're not going to find women's clothing and be suspicious yeah. or like a wedding ring and uh-huh. her watch mm-hmm. <laughs> like,
2: his explanation for having josephine's stuff was that he had had he had quote proposed love to her but then he <laughs> saw that she had had an operation on her abdomen and then didn't want to have sex with her anymore
0: oh fuck oh her. you mean the operation that you what gave her with that fucking wrench right According to
2: him, the next morning, Josephine had to take her child to the hospital, and in the rush of doing that, left all of her stuff behind that she never went and she just never went back for it. Like, sure, oh yeah, God. let me
0: just leave my wedding ring and my all my clothes for a long trip behind. Yeah, like I'm I'm sure that having,
2: even if that were true, and having I'm sure having a, a sick child is terrifying. But I don't think it would be so terrifying that you would leave all of your stuff with a stranger. And Definitely also never not. come back for it. This was yeah. like 10 days later. Yeah. Idiots. But the investigators weren't too worried about his half assed lies, though. Because on September 18th, Nora, Josephine, and Joyce, who is a woman that worked at the Kamwala bus station and who uh, Sipalo had proposed love to a couple of times. I hate how he says that. I know. That's what the report said. It said proposed love and I've never, ever, ever heard it said that way before. Yeah. Um know. I know. I don't know if it's more I I don't know if it's how it's commonly said in Zambia. If you're from Zambia, can you let us know? Because when I first read that, I was like, is that sex? That that's sex, right?
0: (laughs) That has to be sex.
2: It's gotta be sex. (laughs) I was just so taken aback like that. I've never heard it said in that way before. But it felt wrong to not include it. Anyway.
0: <laughs> I agree. All,
2: all three women identified Zipalo. And even though Zipalo tried to implicate one of the yellow soldiers from his barracks, whose name was Kenneth Kaluwe, in the crime, not one of the women pointed to him. They only pointed to sapalo Yeah, because he's a nasty turd. Yeah, because he <laughs> fucking did it. <laughs> The police confronted him with the fact that only he was identified by the women, and all Sipalo had to say was, quote, If they can pick me from the line of others, then I am the one who tried to kill them. Which to me translates to, well, you got me. Like,
0: what? He was just like, "Ah, shucks. Yep, you're right. It was Is me. It,
2: <laughs> he's like a Scooby-Doo villain. I would have gotten a word for it, you too. nasty kids. Fucking moron. So, accepting defeat... That very same day, Sapalo took police to various secluded areas where he had killed women, still alleging that Kaluwe was with him when he committed those crimes. Kaluwe vehemently denied having anything to do with the murders, and look, whether or not he was involved, we'll never know for sure, but I'm not actually sure what I think, but the fact that they found various items belonging to the victims in Sopalo's barracks and absolutely nothing in Kaluwe's could be an indicator of innocence.
0: Yeah, I mean, there there still was two soldiers mm-hmm. seen with women who had been killed or had been attacked. So I don't think that it's wrong to say that this guy could have known that something was going on and he was just kind of helping his buddy get some stuff. Or Cipallo could have told him that I'm just trying to hook up with these women So could you, like, be my wingman? And then once Kenneth left, Sipala was like, psych, see ya. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking, like, he probably knew.
2: He probably knew. Because we do hear about there being two soldiers on multiple occasions. Yeah. Yeah. We only hear about the one actually killing. So I think even if Kaluwe didn't, even if he wasn't directly involved, I think he knew and that he's still culpable if he knew.
0: Oh yeah. Except a dickwad, dude.
2: <laughs> but again, we'll never actually know, and since police had absolutely nothing on Kuloue except a murderer's word, he was released from custody. Sipalo, however, was not released, and he was also never convicted of anything. The following day, on September nineteenth, he managed to break away from Assistant Superintendent Fufu and get to the top of the police station but he jumped off and fell to his death and that really pisses me off Boo. dude should that have suffered me for off. his
0: consequences i know this is like like he how off. we talked about this is like how we talked about the death penalty a couple episodes ago like i want him to suffer mm-hmm. in prison
2: yeah, yeah. Me he too. got like I'm that's so taking free. the easy
0: way out yes exactly
2: Scot free. He just took everything into his own hands. He's like, I'm going to go out on my terms and fuck you. You don't deserve that. You murderous piece of shit.
0: Unfortunately, though, that's just where the case ends. I mean, they weren't able to press charges, obviously, because he was unfortunately dead and there was no evidence to charge Kenneth on anything. So the police weren't able to do anything else, which sucks. I mean, to put it bluntly. (laughs) Yep. Um, I also have a not so fun fact. Um, Cipallo actually held a world record by the time his crimes were done because he killed more victims in a shorter period of time than any other serial killer before him. Yeah. World When, record. I, was,
2: when I was reading this, I was like, he is he a serial killer or a spree killer? Because it happened and all those victims happened in such a short amount of time, there was very little cool off period.
0: I think technically it's classified as a serial killer because what they say is that it was about one victim every week,
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: like that week period was like his cool off quote unquote time. God, I wonder, I wonder if there were any
2: crimes from before that that were ever tied to him because it just it's so crazy to me. It either something just snapped in him and he just. Felt the need to do this all of a sudden, or he must have had some other victims from before. Like it's very hard for me to believe that these heinous crimes, like it's very hard for me came to believe that came out of nowhere. These, yeah. yeah, it came out of nowhere.
0: Like whether I, 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 really
2: want to know about his past. Were there any indicators?
0: What yeah. Was he like and, as a child? And- one thing that they also didn't mention in all the reports that I saw was anything about DNA. If they found DNA on any of the victims, like under fingernails of semen because a lot of them were raped. Like there it couldn't just... be. It was
2: 1980. DNA wasn't
0: a thing until the late 80s. Yeah. But I mean, if they were to find semen, they could have kept it. I don't know. It's just... Uh, it's crazy. DNA
2: DNA science wasn't starting to become a thing until 1986. So, a newly sovereign country trying to solve a crime for the first time, I understand that they were probably more thorough than yeah. uh, they would have been otherwise. However, DNA just wasn't on the brain back then. So,
0: yeah, I, they didn't even think to collect they it. They didn't think
2: about it. I think they probably looked for things like fingerprints and maybe hair. Um, yeah. But things like semen and blood and stuff under fingernails, they wouldn't have meant anything back then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But when you're like outside, it's. A little bit harder to find fingerprints. (laughs) Exactly.
2: So that's why I don't think DNA has anything to do with this case because it just, A, this takes place in 1980. It was years before DNA had any sort of legal precedent. It was a very, Mm -hmm. I mean, probably the idea of DNA was just getting started at this point because they didn't start DNA testing until 1985. And then the first arrest based on DNA testing didn't happen until 1987.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's all for the case today. Um, I mean, we don't really have much else. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at True INTL on Twitter and on Instagram. And we also have a case suggestion form in our Instagram bio. So if you know of any cool cases from around the world, drop it there and we will look into it because we are always open to your suggestions. You can also find us on Facebook by searching true crime international and we hope to see you there because we're going to do some chatting about these cases we post all the pictures on instagram and on facebook and you can comment and chat with us and we can have nice conversations especially if you know extra information about the cases we would love to hear it
2: well travelers that's all from us today we hope you enjoyed your stay at true crime international